Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 47. I'm Ryan Sir. With me as always is my hostess with the mostest, co-hostess with the mostest, Don Helbig. Don, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, 47, almost at that 50 mark. Hard to believe we've been doing this for a little over a year now, Ryan. I, d- I can't imagine the drone show we're going to have for our 50th episode. <laughs> <laughs> We need something special for that one. We really got to think about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, we have three weeks to think about it, theoretically, unless we miss something, which we don't plan on doing. Um, but yeah, 47. So almost a whole year's worth. Uh, we did hit the one year mark last week, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, between Christmas <laughs> and New Year's and stuff, we we didn't do an episode. And right. you know, every once in a while, we're out of town. But nonetheless, so for those of you watching on YouTube, welcome. Uh, if you prefer the audio version, then we're available on your favorite podcast apps, Google, Apple, Spotify, and so on. Uh, if you prefer the video, uh, we're on YouTube. If you search for the attractions group podcast, um, and, uh, follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Just a couple weeks ago, we did a, uh, like an interactive thing where we had you guys send us our questions. We had a ton of fun with it and answered a ton of people's questions about the industry and so on. So we would love for you to do that at attractions underscore GRP. Uh, and while you're at it, if you are a business owner and you would like a sponsorship opportunity, then send us a private message. We do have some packages available. All right. So Don, today's going to be a kind of different episode because, you know, normally we have like some sort of distinct subject matter or and we do a lot of like questions and answers and, you know, we have a lot of guests, but you know, that's not how podcasts normally work. That's more like a radio show or, or talk show. So we're going to do one that's more like a podcast because we got a lot to discuss today. So you just went on a trip to the West Virginia area. So tell me about that. I did. It was, uh, you know, an opportunity for my wife and I to just get away and get out of town. My my daughter's wedding is coming up in early July. So, um, you know, just that kind of break between uh, now and then uh, to just, you know, do something fun, get away. And we had not been uh, to West Virginia for a long time. You know, we passed through, but we had not stopped and spent any time there. So we thought it was a good opportunity to do so. And uh, we left on, you know, Friday after I got uh, you know home from from work. And, you know, it's only a three hour drive from my house, you know, just a little bit under three hours. So, um, you know, it was a quick trip, but, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun, packed a lot in while I was there. Yeah, yeah, I've been following you on social media and stuff. It looks like you you got a ton of things done. Um, and yeah, it's not far if you're in the Cincinnati market. It's it's a blink of an eye, especially you know if you're proportional, you're going to like um, Pittsburgh or you know Virginia or something. West Virginia is the first stop, so that's pretty close. Yeah, and I I found out that you know going through like Ironton, Ohio, it's really nice this time of year through there. Yeah, I've actually been through Ironton on the way through West Virginia to. Richmond, Virginia before. So it's funny that you say that. So, uh, Don, you know, we typically don't go places unless there's a theme park there. That's right. So when people think of theme parks, they don't necessarily think of Huntington, West Virginia, but boy, do we have a park for them. Tell us about the park that's in West Virginia. Yeah, it's not a theme park. It's an amusement park and it is the only park in West Virginia. It is Camden Park. It's a traditional amusement park. It's got a rich history. Uh, It was established in 1903, starting out as a picnic spot. It's interesting how so many of those old parks from, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s started out as a uh, picnic spot. Uh, But it it was, uh, you know, put there by the Camden Interstate Railway 
company and then eventually it emerged into they started adding some rides and things like that but uh i had not been to camden park in years it was uh you know i would come back from greensboro north carolina coming through that way and uh, i would stop you know get in a few rides you know on my way back to cincinnati and uh, but it had been what 26 27 years since i had been there and you know, we were going there, so I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I visited this park. It was a park that I had a lot of concern about uh, during the pandemic. You know, it's uh, family owned, um, you know, so it was really going to be a struggle for them to, to get back open. And uh, it was nice to see a pretty decent crowd there. You know, if you're living in that area, um, you know, there was a time where a visit to Camden Park was the thing uh, to do. And it's still it's still a lot of fun for everybody down there. Uh, but not the park that it was, you know, in the 60s, 70s and 80s. You know, there's some rides that have, um, you know, been retired there. Some some great classic rides like uh, the Spider, which is, you know, otherwise known as the Monster in some other parks. Mm -hmm. uh, the Scrambler's been retired. Uh, there was a roller coaster. It was called the Thunderbolt Express. And some may have remembered that as the Screaming Demon, uh, which operated at Kings Island from 1977 to 1987 so those rides were all gone you know from my last uh, visit there but still some some classics uh, you know the the most famous attraction there is the big dipper roller coaster and that was built in 1958 it replaced an earlier roller coaster that was built in that same spot that was uh, built in 1912 and demolished in 1957 uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun on that coaster I mean it's old it's rickety uh, but just a fun ride, you know, it features those original, uh, what we call those century flyer cars. It's got the uh, working headlights on the front, um, that classic figure eight track. So just a lot of fun. And, and to get back on that ride, um, you know, I enjoyed it. And it uh, has a historical significance. So it's an ace landmark coaster, the American Coaster Enthusiast, giving it that designation back in 2019. So uh, you know, it was fun to ride that and it, and it uh, you know, conjured up a lot of memories that I had of that coaster. Um, but there's a lot of other, uh, you know, attractions there that I really like too. Um, the Haunted House. And it's, you know, just these generic names that they have there for these things. But the Haunted House, that opened in 1919. Um, it was built by Pretzel Amusement Ride Company. It's a dark ride inspired by these ghost stories, um, monster movies, mad scientists. And you get in this vehicle and uh, you ride along a dark winding corridor you know through um, different rooms you know you got sudden and unexpected uh, little turns and drops uh, you got lights that come popping on these different noises uh, these different illuminated images come up uh, just a lot of fun too to go back and that's like as old school as it gets with something like that so it's one of the best dark rides i've ever been on and uh you know it was it was great to see that that is still operational still in you know pretty good shape uh so that was fun too and then other rides um that i did while i was there they have a train ride um it's kind of a mini train but still a lot of fun and uh takes you around like the back part of the park um, so kind of scenic crown metal products uh, created that attraction for them they got a tilt-a-whirl uh, the Skyliner Skyride that opened in the 1970s. And that has got those old school bars that, uh, you know, you pull down uh, on each side of you. You could lift it up while you're riding if you wanted to. Um, so, you know, kind of a little bit, uh, you know, scary, but, you know, still fun. Uh, but a nice scenic view of the park while you're, you're on that attraction. Uh, the Whip that they have 
1924 so it's 99 years old so going to be 100 next year um, not too many of those left in the country so it was uh, good to, to be able to get an opportunity to uh, experience that attraction again uh, so just really a lot of fun there uh, they've got um, a flume ride as well uh, you know guests were really enjoying that it was a nice you know warm day so that was kind of uh, the right time to hit that a carousel which almost opened with the park they opened in 1903 the carousel came along in 1907 by most accounts uh, but I was able to ride that. And what was fun about that ride is uh, there wasn't anybody in line for it when I went over to it. So I get in and they started up and then people started to get in line for it. But the ride operator starts talking to all these people. And it seemed like my ride was never going to end. I just quit going round and round and round and round. So my ride cycle was probably close to about four or five minutes, which is pretty long for a carousel ride. But you uh, made the carousel, you know, do you know? Uh, that was, yeah, that was, uh, Philadelphia toboggan. Oh, it was PTC. Did, Do you know what number PTC, it is? Yeah. I don't know what number it is, but, uh, you know, if it opened in 1907, it's probably, you know, it was before, you know, some of the other ones that we're very familiar with, like the Grand Carousel at Kings Island, but, um, you know, the horses are still in good shape. Uh, it's got a nice, um, you know, thing around it, uh, you know, where it operates. So it's, it's undercover and, uh, but that seemed to be, you know, after I got off the ride, you know, the line for that was pretty long the rest of the day. But uh, but it's nice to see people there. And, you know, uh, they've got your traditional, you know, amusement park food from the olden days that you would have expected. You've got your pizza, your hot dogs, a hamburger and cotton candy. And I will tell you, Ryan, I think um, they are in the argument for the best cotton candy in the industry. What makes their cotton candy so special? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, it was just, um, it just has a different taste to it. Um, but it's plentiful, you know, so when you buy it, you know, you get a pretty good portion of it. Uh, but just to go back and go to a park like that, you know, we're used to what parks look like today, you know, uh, Walt Disney World, Universal, you know, you go to the Six Flags parks, the, the, the Cedar Fair parks, you know, a lot of state of the art things. And then you go to Camden Park. And it's like it used to be in the, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, so real old school. Um, but uh, what really surprised me, too, was I posted, uh, you know, some pictures on, on my Facebook and just the engagement that it got, you know. And so many people, you know, had memories of Camden Park. You know, they, they grew up there. Uh, that's where their childhood was. It was maybe their first job that they ever had at their, you know great-grandfather went there and then you know their grandfather and then their father and then they go there and they took their kids there um you know someone said that the the post just really warmed their hearts so that was good to see too that uh, that park has uh, significant meaning to a lot of people that's really cool i mean um uh you know your classic amusement parks that's kind of an attraction in itself just to see you know it's like stay, t stepping back in time i always felt that way it, with it was. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I always felt that way with like uh, Lasordsville Lake up here, and um, to a lesser extent, even like Stricker's Grove here is. Well, that's is, a good comparable. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good comparable. Um, before it became Americana, but what Lasordsville was in the '60s and '70s, that's what Camden is is like. Um, you know, very very similar. You know, um, a lot of concrete, 
not a lot of trees or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it, it really reminded me. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. You know, why I was there, and after I left, was this was a throwback to me of what Lasordsville Lake was like when I was a child, and it was kind of an annual trip for for my family and I. Yeah, we used to go to Lasordsville Lake uh, once a year as well. Um, a lot of people went to parks like because their their families had like company picnics there and stuff. But I was never in that situation, so we would just go. Um, but yeah, so you talked about the haunted house. Like, is that you said it's a it's an older one? Um, is it the kind that has the you know the vehicles that like slam through the doors and stuff? Yep, a little bit on that. Um, the other thing about it is when you come back in. Uh, there aren't any brakes that stop you. It's manually stopped by the right operator. So it goes yeah. flying around the corner and the right operator gets right in front of it and stops it. Then they just push it down to the next guy to, to get you on. There were three vehicles running. Mm -hmm. um, so not the, the highest capacity, you know, ride by any means, but uh, it had the longest line. <laughs> and it was the first ride that I rode because I had uh, the most vivid memories of that, you know, from my, my previous visits there you know, in the eighties and through my years living in Greensboro in the nineties and um, just a lot of fun. And it just conjured back up those memories. It was like, I had just ridden it, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, you know, there's a lot of dark rides out there that are pretty good, but this is one of those, I, I would put this in like the top five that's out there. I mean, it's, it's a classic, you know, it, it, it's old, it feels old, uh, but it feels like it, you know, it takes you back to a different, a different time. Yeah. Is now is Camden Park a pay one price or is it a ticket to ride? It's pay one price. Oh, it is? Pay one price. Yeah, it is. Now it is. You know, pay one price. Um, you know, again, old schools you can get with that, you know, where if you wanted to go online, you, know, you can get a discount on your tickets. That's not discounted tickets online, a discount on your tickets. You got to print out the coupon and bring it to the park and, you know, turn it in that way. But, uh, you know, just very traditional uh, with, with everything there. And, it was, it, it, I want to go back again. You know, I was telling my wife, we got to go back to, to West Virginia again. It's so close. Uh, but just, uh, you know, get more pictures and get some video and, and just kind of relive those, uh, those memories again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's really cool. Um, so I see that uh, not only do they have a couple like classics, uh, I saw, by the way, I was looking at RCDB and, you know, I love those old National Amusement Device trains. I think you called them, what, mm -hmm. Century Flyers? I, I don't think I've... Century Flyer, yeah. I've never heard that terminology, but that's that's kind of an appropriate name. But uh, they have one of those SBF Visa spinning coasters, too. Did you ride that? That one I did not do. I'm still kind of recovering from my, my pensioner, so I didn't want to you know, do anything that was going to maybe potentially... If I wasn't familiar with that, I didn't want to do it, you know, just not knowing how it would affect my my arm and hand and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, but I watched it. Yeah. It's, I watched it's it. It's free. Spinning, and watch everyone else so, having fun on it. Um, it's free spinning. So I could see that being a problem. And I'm looking at pictures. Uh, this is on RCDB of uh, the, the, the dark ride. And it looks like it's got the old classic dips and stuff where it's like, it does. It's either going to, it does. Yeah. You go around, you go up a chain, like a small chain lift, you know, I don't know how high you go up, maybe 15, 20 feet or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you have a, like you turn around a corner, you go through a couple of rooms, you turn around a corner and then you go down a drop, which is visible, the guest in the park. And if you're waiting in line, you know, it goes right by you. And then you, that's when you really start your ride going through the, through the house. That's really cool. Has it been modernized? But just for that all? alone, just for that alone and the Big Dipper, just those two attractions, it's worth going to Camden Park just to experience, you know, just, just rides like you just, you know, they just don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the Sky Ride. 
So what does it go over? Does it go over the whole park or a lake or what? No, it's just a section of the park. It's uh, you, you kind of go toward the backside of it and then you turn around and come back, but it's a long stretch. So it's not a short ride by any means. And, you know, like I said, you just sit in the seat and then on each side, you've got a little bar that comes down. There's a little bit of a gap between the two bars, uh, but nothing really holding you in, you know? So, you know, again, you would never see that today again either. Yeah, I think my favorite sky ride, like not to go off on a tangent, is the one from Bush Gardens, Tampa, because it makes 90 degree turns and I still haven't figured out how that works. You know? Yeah, not a 90 degree turn here. You just turn around and come back. Now, do you, so do you ride it like all the way around and back or just one direction or yes. is it optional? Yeah, it, yeah, you go all the way down and then it turns around and comes all the way back. Oh, that's really cool. Awesome. I mean, like w- ballpark, like what's it cost to go? I mean, I guess you can always just check the website, but you mentioned that, you know, you're going to get in there with, you know, somewhere between 20 and $25, depending on what day of the week it is. I, I if you're going to go definitely check out the operating calendar, cause it's a little odd. There are days during the week that they're closed. You know, um, if I had wanted to go on that Friday, it wasn't going to be open, but it was open Saturday, Sunday, and then it's open a couple of days during the week. So there's just this, just kind of an inconsistent operating calendar. So you definitely want to check that out before you, you make plans to go, but, uh, you know, it really is something that, you know, if you're a fan of the industry and you've, you've never been to Camden park, you know, you got to make that trip, um, not only for yourself to be able to experience, you know, all that history and nostalgia, but you want to see parks like that stick around for the long run. And like I said, with the pandemic, I was concerned about it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of small parks that I was concerned about a lot of small businesses I was concerned about. Um, you know, they, they made it through, they're operating, but they're not, you know, back to where they were maybe before that. But it was good to finally see, you know, that uh, when I went there, at least there was, there was a decent crowd there. That's cool. Yeah. I'm looking at their website um, and it looks like uh, general admission, this is 2023. So if you're listening to it in the future, this is subject to change, of course, but uh, general admission for weekdays and Sundays is 2299 and for Saturdays, it's twenty four ninety nine, and then they have various uh, special rates uh, for their their Starlight, which is after four thirty, and Spooktacular, which I'm assuming is their Halloween event, and so on. Halloween event, yeah. You know, so that's really cool, awesome. But you think about it, you know, and, and you know, if you were growing up in that Huntington Charleston area, you know, th- this was the big thing that you did during the summer, you know, and it was uh, multi generational. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're all used to these, these, uh, state of the art parks nowadays. Um, but I, I really think that it's, it's worth, you know, taking that, uh, step back in time and, uh, visiting a park like this. Yeah. I'm actually like, uh, scrolling through their website, which is obviously camdenpark.com and, uh, just looking at the sampling. So I've never been there as you probably think, well, most of you guys probably figured out by now, but, uh, it's, it's funny how it's like old rides peppered in with new ones. Like I'm seeing like, you know, a bunch of brand new Zamperla stuff. We've got, um, you know, uh, Larson flying scooters, but you've got a tilt a whirl, which is probably 50 years old. And then you've got the haunted house, which is, you know, several decades old, but then you got the spinning coaster, which came out about five years ago. So you got the whip, which is like I said, 99 years old. So you got a lot of, uh, you got some attractions over a hundred years old and you've got some in their nineties. Yeah. The sky ride in the picture there looks abandoned. It's got like holes in the backs of the seats. Does that, yeah. Do you recall anything like that? (laughs) 
No, no, I don't remember the holes in the back of the seat. Uh, I just remember, uh, you know, looking at it and, you know, thinking that it's, it's a lot older than it looked. Yeah. So just looking at the dining situation there, it looks like it's, uh, I keep on looking at this and this reminds me of like a Cedar point history book. Cause it's a bunch of like dead eyed kids staring at the camera from like the 1800s. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's funny, but they have corn dogs and stuff, typical food. So that's cool. I'm glad you had fun down there. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what though, Ryan, it does not look a day over 120. I think they, they probably moisturize the midways and stuff, but that's no, awesome. It's, 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 it's nice. It's nice. Like I said, it's, uh, you know, it's not, you're not going to travel there multiple times a year for it. But if you're passing through that area, you're going through West Virginia, you have to do it to get to some other parks that people like to travel to from our part of the, the country. And that, you know, just make a stop, spend two or three hours there. You know, you, you'll be glad that you did. So that was going to be my next question. Based on your experience, um, two or three hours, you think is the realistic expectation for. Yeah, I think especially if you're going during the week, you know, you can get in all the rides that, uh, you know, you, you want to ride and, you know, within three hours. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, what else did you do down there besides uh, Cannon Park? Well, uh, on the Saturday, my wife said, I got a surprise for you for lunch. So I'm thinking she found a, a chicken wing place or something like that. Uh, but we're we're driving and we're in Lesage, uh, West Virginia, all of a sudden. And there's this roadside attraction that, uh, you know, was quirky, um, but very charming. It's called Hillbilly Hot Dogs. And uh, it is what it sounds like. A uh, lot of photo ops. So bring your camera if you're going to do this, but just a ton of photo ops. Uh, but uh, just just great, great hot dogs. So it's uh, um, you got these two school buses that they've got kind of parked where you can go in and you can eat inside the school buses because they got like you know, tables and things set up in there. You go in a school bus to order your food. And that's where the kitchen and that is that they've, they've made. Uh, but picnic tables outside. But it just looks like a big you know, a junkyard outside. So, um, you know, I, I was amused by it. Um, but, uh, the hot dogs, I would put it as the, the, you know, some of the best hot dogs that I I've ever had. And there's all different kind of combinations. Now, if you're from West Virginia and uh, you say, you know, give me a hot dog with everything on it, that's going to be the hot dog, chili sauce, mustard, onions, coleslaw. That's how, you know, they, they, they eat the hot dogs a lot down there, but a lot of different combinations. Um, they had a pizza dog. Uh, they had a thing called the thundering herd dog, which had the habanero sauce, uh, nacho cheese, chili sauce, jalapenos, um, diced onions, coleslaw, just the works on that one. Uh, they had something called the home wrecker, which is one of the most popular hot dogs. And I'll listen to this one. It's 15 inches. Okay. It's one pound. It's a 15-inch, one-pound hot dog. Um, it's got uh, you know all the toppings that you can imagine on it, uh, which is going to weigh two pounds just on the toppings. Two pounds on the toppings. Uh, it's twenty-two dollars and fifty cents, but it's a ton of food. You, know, you could probably feed a family of four with that one. Um, then they've got the uh, the widow maker, which is thirty inches long, two pounds on the hot dog, but four pounds of toppings. And it's thirty-five fifty for that one. Um, so, you know, you you go to a place and you think about imagine you know getting your big large you know extra large pizza to bring home you know something like that. But here's this hot dog that you know it really weighs a lot to even try to carry that back to your table. Um, for me, I got the um, a little bit more 
uh, traditional. I got the, the basic hillbilly dog, you know, it was deep fried. It had um, mustard on it. It had um, the chili sauce and it had the cheese. I thought it was uh, outstanding. Um, I think the chili that they put on that, it was amazing. Amazing. The best chili I've ever had on a hot dog. I definitely want to go back there. So we're talking about Hillbilly Hot Dogs in Lesage, West Virginia. So definitely put that on your bucket list of things to do. You know, again, a lot of photo ops. Um, and just, you know, just I love those like roadside attractions like this. You know, you always want to stop and take a look around. But very quirky, very charming, uh, but definitely something you want to put on your bucket list. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their website right now, and it looks like the Hillbilly Dog. I'm guessing you opted without onions then? I did. I did. Yeah, I'm not going to put that good on choice, there. Good choice. Good choice. Onions are offensive to me and many others. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that seems like a, a place that will take a couple years off your life. But uh, but it kind of reminds me of like it's the Agave and Rye. For those of you in the Cincinnati area, Agave and Rye is like it's a taco place, but they have like pizza tacos and you know, mm -hmm. pulled pork tacos, like they'll, they'll take any other food item and make it into a taco and somehow make it work. But I'm looking at their website and they've got like, you know, the hillbilly dog, which you described and like the taco dog, the pizza dog, and you know, a bunch of other stuff, which has like, you know, cute little names, but it doesn't seem terribly expensive. I mean, yours was, you know, according to their website, $3 and 75 cents. If that's what you ate. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That and was one it. Of, it one was, of them and it was, was enough to fill you up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just a tremendous value. But then you got your sides too. you know, the garlic bluegrass uh, cheese fries. That's a can't miss. Yeah. So original Widowmaker, the 15 inch, by the way, just to reiterate yeah. is 2250. It's one pound of weenie and two pounds of toppings. Mm -hmm. I have that on my dating profile too. Um, <laughs> the original, <laughs> you're going to want to, you're going to want to, Ryan, you're, the other one's the bigger one though, the, the, the Widowmaker one, the, the 30 inch, that's 30 inch, two pounds of weenie and four pounds of top. It doesn't say what toppings they are though. Like, do you pick that? You, you just pick what you want and have them throw it on it. I mean, it's got that assortment of toppings. You can, you know, okay, I want the sauce. I want the coleslaw. I want the onions. I want the, you know, these 20 different cheese. I mean, whatever you want on there, but it's going to end up weighing like four pounds of, of toppings for the one, two pounds of the other. Um, I will say this though, we got there at around 1140 mm -hmm. and it wasn't, I mean, there were people there, but it wasn't too crowded time. We left like 1235, 1240 range. I mean, there was a long line of people to, to place their order. Not hard. You know, it was hard to find a place to park. So I would get there a little bit before the peak dining times, you know, maybe about 30 minutes before, before noon. And then maybe if you're going to go for like a dinner or something there, maybe get there like at 3.30 or something. Don't wait till 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock to go because then there's just going to be that many more people there. But you're going to want to walk around. You're going to um, you're going to laugh at a lot of stuff that they have, you know, out in the yard and everything. It's just uh, just a good time. And it, it certainly was a surprise. You know, my wife was trying to surprise me for lunch, and she certainly did that with this. Yeah. Well, what's the quote you like to use? If I had woken up with my head sewed to the carpet, I would not have been more surprised. Exactly. I, I'm just surprised you were able to turn down the 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 Bubba's burger, the big bad double hubba 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 bubba bacon burger, which is double meat, double cheese, double toppings, but only single bacon. What? So it's healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew I was going from there to Camden Park and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to have too much to eat, knowing that I was gonna be riding all these, you know, some of these spin rides and things. So um, you know, I was a little careful with that, but I am 
you know, I already mentioned it tonight to my wife. I said, we got to get back there. We got to go do that hillbilly um, hot dogs again. Yeah, absolutely. So I understand that that's not the only place that you experienced as far as fine dining in West Virginia is concerned. No, no. A place called Fat Patties. And the one we went to was located right by the university or Marshall University. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great burgers. It's kind of, um, you know, like a sports bar type thing. They had all, you know, the, the basketball game was on and they had the hockey playoffs and all that. Uh, baseball games are on, college baseball, major league. So it's, it's, you know, think of your sports bar type thing. But these burgers are like thick, Ryan, really thick. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had the one with like, the bacon, cheese and um, you know, a one sauce on it, uh, but lots of cheese on it. Uh, fries are really good. My wife got the nachos and you talk about cheese. Yeah. I mean, they just, you can't even see the nachos. It's just buried under all this cheese. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, again, affordable. It's, it's a nice little place. It's kind of a staple in uh, the Huntington area, the, the fat patties. And I think there's four or five of them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely put that on your list, too, that uh, you want to have either lunch or dinner at Fat Patties if you're in the West Virginia area. And that's why we really, you know, was was the big thing we were looking forward to going because uh, we had done that years and years ago. We had gone to Fat Patties. And um, so we were looking forward to that. And then while we're there, OK, I'm going to do Camden Park. And, you know, then we had the Hillbilly Hot Dogs. And we did a few other things while we were there. But uh, so so put that on your bucket list, too, if you haven't done it. Fat Patties. That's awesome. Um, so, Don, I, I so. I know you rode roller coasters and you ate and I, I would imagine that would take up most of your time, but did you do anything else? Yes, we did. We walked around the campus of Marshall university. It, it is a beautiful, beautiful campus. And in the campus, they have this memorial fountain and uh, it's got a plaque and it's a, a symbol of remembrance and resilience from the 1970 tragedy. It was November 14th, 1970, uh, when 75 lives were lost in a plane crash, including 37 members of the football team, coaches, and staff. Now, I remember, uh, I was real little, but I remember um, my dad mentioning that. You know, he heard it on the news, and he was just, like, stunned that this football team went down and everything like that. So I had heard about it. And then obviously there's the movie that's out there now with uh, Matthew McConaughey with the, the We Are Marshall mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, is one of the better football movies that I've seen. Uh, but, um, you know, it was kind of a little bit, uh, you know, chilling to see that. And, uh, you know, you just start to think about the small town and what that would have been like in 1970 when that happened and, uh, you know, how it impacted the community and how important the Marshall football team was to the community that they started back up this program when a lot of people didn't think it was the right thing to do, but they needed that, uh, you know, that, that was a big thing, uh, Marshall football on those Saturdays in the fall. And uh, it was a school that uh, changed the way uh, college football was done because at that time you couldn't play freshman. So they had to keep petitioning the, the NCAA to allow them to use freshmen so they could field a football team again. Uh, so they kind of changed the rules back then, but uh, you know that was another thing that's that's worth doing if you're you're in that area is to just kind of stroll around the Marshall campus and look for that uh, that monument, that fountain, and uh, you know read the plaque, look at all the names on there, and uh, you know when you realize how small that town is, and just you, you know that it had to be you know uh, 
what kind of impact that had to have when that crash happened back then. Okay. So Don, just for the sake of the people that are driving, who can't Google this right now, that may not know what you're talking about. Uh, can you recap the story of the tragedy of the Marshall football team just really quickly, just to the best of your ability? Yeah, they were coming back from a road game. They had won a road game. Uh, there was a couple of players that were injured, did not make the trip. Uh, one coach was supposed to be on the plane right back, but he was sent off on a scouting trip. So those three, you know, obviously for them, you know, that was, you know, they all should have been on the plane, but they weren't. Uh, but they're, they're coming back. There's a storm. Uh, they're about three to four miles out from where they were going to land um, in the Huntington area. And, uh, you know, it hit kind of like the hillside of a mountain, you know, and the, and the plane just, you know, blew up in, in flames and, you know, 75 lives lost, 37 of them uh, were the players that were the football team. Then you had your coaches, your other staff, your broadcaster, your reporters, um, you know, the media that, that accompanied the team, you know, everything was gone. And then you had these two players that were injured, and then you had the, the one coach who just felt so guilty that he wasn't on that plane, that he had a tough time, uh, you know, moving on from that. Uh, but uh, they rebuilt, the, you know, the football team the next year. They, they brought it back, um, were able to use freshmen's, freshman uh, players to be able to field a team. And, uh, you know, so it went on from there. But every year on that date uh you know they have a little remembrance for that and at that time when the, the plane crashed you know everything kind of stops in that town for for a little bit so everybody can can you know pay their respects to the lives that were lost yeah and i mean i know that um uh, you know west virginia isn't exactly texas as far as uh you know seeing football is almost like a religion but i'm sure that the Marshall fan base, especially around there where people are so, you got to understand it. For those of you who. That was the big thing you had to do in the fall on Saturdays. Marshall football. Everybody went to the games. They walked to the games, you know, um, you know, from the town. And uh, there's so many, there's a lot of houses and things in that neighborhood around there. So, uh, and it's still the same way. You know, when we were at Fat Patties, I was asking, you know, the, the server about, uh, you know, how busy it gets on the football days. And, um, you know, she was telling us that it is like, like the movie where, you know, it's it's the big thing in town, and everybody looks forward to it. They tailgate. Um, you know, everybody. You know, nobody has to really drive to it. They just all walk to it, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, just kind of chilling to, to to see that and and know that that really happened. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I mean, again, a, a terrible tragedy. And and you, Very you always yeah. wonder. You know, like, because you hear about, pl I mean, plane crashes are incredibly rare, especially if you're flying inside the United States. But um, you, you always wonder, like, like your local MLB team or whatever, they fly all the time. Like, what if their plane went down? And it's like, it's happened, you know, and it, that's a good mm -hmm. example inside the United States. But a bunch of like, you know, soccer or football teams, if you're, you know, European it's in the last 50 years, it's happened a lot. And it's just, it's just devastating. Cause there's, there was a Russian hockey team, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, uh, their plane crashed and everyone on, there were no survivors. I mean, the, the entire, um, playing roster, the coaches, the trainers, you know, their broadcaster, their media. So almost the same exact situation happened over in, in, uh, in Russia. So that was within the last maybe 15 years uh, that that happened. And the same thing where they had to go, you know, rebuild, that uh, hockey program with that team as well too. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, thank God that we have 
you know, the safety standards that we do. So it yeah. is very rare. Um, well, I knew a couple of players on that uh, on that Russian team too. That uh, when it went down, so one of the guys' his name was Ruslan Soleil. He played for the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Oh, no. He was a first round pick of Anaheim. Great guy, you know. But he had you know gone on. He would played his you know ten twelve years in the NHL and was you know still a pretty good player and went over to finish his career back home in, in uh, Russia. Uh, he was on that plane, so um, you know that that hit home with me because I knew somebody that was on that plane. Yeah. You know, and that's not to, to play down the other things. Like, wasn't there like a junior hockey team about five years ago that rolled a bus or there something? Was. And, you know, there 10 was, or so yes. members got killed. Oh, man. Ugh. Okay. so Very small town. Very small yeah. town. But anyway, let's get on yeah, to some yeah, better, yeah, things, better things here, Ryan. But if you guys do want to <laughs> see a, like a dramatization, once again, the movie is We Are Marshall. I'm sure it's on some stream or somewhere at some point. So, awesome. Yeah, you can, you yeah, you can, uh, you know, just go to um, like Apple TV, I think has it. Hulu has it. You know, so um, I had watched it maybe about four or five months ago for the first time. Uh, great movie. But uh, Ryan, you know, you heard about my trip and you've got one coming up this weekend, I understand. Yeah, I do. Um, not to disappoint, but we are. Uh, sorry, I'm looking up to see if we are Marshall is on a streamer so we can see if anybody listens to this stuff. Hate to make it so relevant just to, to the people that listen to it, you know, within a few weeks of us putting it up. But we are Marshall is available on Max. Max, so like the old HBO when it merged with whatever. Or uh, as of the time of this writing, you can rent it with Apple for $3.99. Okay, yeah. So on to happier things. Yes, this weekend, uh, taking a long weekend, uh, actually a four-day because we got the Juneteenth holiday on on Monday, but um, Mm -hmm. we are going back to Cedar Point. Uh, I mentioned before that we had an interest in, uh, you know, checking out their Frontier Festival. So this is the last weekend of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going up there, but here's the interesting thing about it. So we, we booked hotel breakers cause that's really the only way to do this stuff for Friday and Saturday night. And we were thinking, um, you know, if we decide to go up Thursday, we'll just get a hotel in Sandusky or something, or, you know, maybe in, you know, something on the way or whatever, just so we're closer well, uh, you know, it's peak season. Hotels are very expensive. So we started looking and we're like, you know, it costs about the same to get a Hilton as it does to get breakers. So do we want to add the extra night? So we decided to do that. And then it came down to, well, if we book, uh, if we book another night, we're not going to have the same room. We'll have to move rooms unless we call them. And we're like, well, who wants to call them? It's 21st century. So what we ended up doing is kind of interesting. We're, we actually rented a, a, a cottage for the first night. Um, I've been to the cottages at Lighthouse Point at Cedar Point, but I've never um, like stayed at them. I had a friend that was staying there, and we visited with them for a few hours one night. But uh, yeah, we rented our own, and uh, we're staying there the first night. And then we've got Lakeview uh, at Hotel Breakers for the other nights. So, um, that's going to be kind of exciting. I'm really looking forward to frontier festival. Um, going to pick up the tasting card and stuff. I know that they have like live music and games and stuff like that going on, but I'm really looking forward to reporting back on this podcast, uh, how it looks for this year. It's going to be a hoot nanny of a good time for you. I believe it will. Um, I know that they changed it quite a bit. Like last year, I think it was some sort of after hours event and, you know, it was expensive, but you got a lot of benefit. Like everyone got a cowboy hat or something like that, you know, which would have been cool, but 
or maybe that was two years ago. I don't know. But uh, but this is like an in-park, during-hours kind of event, which is probably the appropriate thing for it. But Yeah, I, I like that it's become, you know, something that they do every year. You know, so it's kind of like a, a Coaster Mania where you're also going to have this Frontier Festival every year. And then, you know, if you like it, you know, you're going to want to go back and do it again the next year. So it becomes something that, uh, you know, you got your rides and everything else, but there's different experiences that you can have. And this is one of the ones that, uh, you know, you don't even have to ride anything while you're there. You can just do the Frontier Festival and you're going to have a great time. Let me ask you this, Don. So when we talk about, uh, you know, the events that that happen annually to park. So you have an event, uh, you know, Grand Carnival, Frontier Festival, uh, you know, Six Flags has tons of events and stuff. You know, it goes over really well the first year. You try to catch the lightning in a bottle again the second year. How long do you think it is before the thing is just amortized to the point where people are like, yeah, I've done that? I think when it comes to something like this, where it's a food festival and there's all those different interactive things that you can do and there's live music in that, I, I think it has a long shelf life. So, uh, I mean, do you think the trick to keeping it alive is to change it up every year so there's at least something new? You know, you can add some new, you can add some different elements and things to it, uh, you know, but then you also have that group that, uh, you know, if they go three or four years in a row and you change something up, they're not happy that something's not the same. So you have that, you got to, it's a fine balance that you have to do because uh, there are people who do not like change. Yeah. Um, and I suppose every year you learn a little bit, you know, the first year you probably learn. You do, and you tweak it in that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, number one, and we've talked about this, you know, since we started the podcast, how just that the, the culinary experience has been elevated at parks and Cedar Point is, is one of those parks where, you know, if you went there 10 years ago and now you go there and have a meal, I mean, it's not even close, you know, it, it's dramatically different. And then, you know, they excel at their events that they do. So I think that, uh, you know, this is one that every year, you know, as long as it comes back, you, you know, you want to put on your calendar and you want to go there and, um, you know, just enjoy the park in a different way. You know, don't feel like you have to keep trying to get on all the rides. Everything like that. Just relax, have a good time, listen to some music, have some great food. Uh, so it's a different way to experience Cedar Point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's one of those things that there's a, there's a trope out there, which I think is pretty true. It's that like, especially during the summer, if you're going to Cedar Point, like, you should probably work fast lane into into your budget because they 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 have to draw a lot of people in a pretty narrow amount of time you know because it gets cold up there and it stays cold for a while um so you know the, the girlfriend and I discussed kind of like you know we're not going to set goals of like oh I didn't get to ride this or that or whatever um it's going to be more about like hanging out on the beach enjoying breakers we're going to try to go swimming maybe do uh Cedar Point Shores, which is terribly underrated, by the way. You know, I, I'd always seen that from Magnum and uh, thought it was, you know, your typical water park, whatever. But a uh, group of friends I went with decided to go and it's it's really fun and unique, you know. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, my favorite part of Cedar Point, and I've probably mentioned this before, is hanging out on the beach after the sun goes down because it can be 98 degrees in Sandusky during the day. But it'll get down to like 62 at night and that nothing feels better than it being like hoodie weather after it's been hot all day. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I'll report back about that. I'll, I'll you know, talk about what I did. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a, I'll tweet some stuff out with some, um, you know, some photos and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's really exciting. I actually got into like pin, not pin trading. I'm not that guy, but, uh, 
let me ask you that. What are you, do you know much about this? They have these pins there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, basically there's like four different classes. Some of them are just like, you can buy them for like a dollar, but some of them are like rare and ultra rare, but you have to buy like mystery packs and the mystery pack will either have a rare or an ultra rare in it, at least one. So, um, and, and it's like cheap to do. So it's kind of like you get that euphoric thing of opening up the package and, you know, seeing what pins you have. But we, we had some fun with that. I bought a couple packs of pins. I don't know if I have any. I don't have any sitting around here immediately close to me, but um, maybe they'll have some for Frontier. Actually, I know they have some for Frontier Festival. We'll probably end up getting those. Very cool. All right. So enough about our travels and our future travels. Uh, so that's content for next time. But, uh, you know, without further ado, it's been a big news week, Don. This is a seg- this been. is a segment we like to call the pick six. All right. I'll start it off. Start it off, Don. Fun spot, Kissimmee, Florida, which is near Orlando. Mind blower. The coaster has reopened following retracking uh, the big project that they had. um, You know, just opened uh, recently. So, uh, you know, what have you heard about it so far, Ryan? Any any feedback that you're seeing out there about this uh, retract project? You know, I hate to say it, but I haven't heard any feedback yet. This article popped up in the late afternoon. So I'm wondering if it opened just earlier today, uh, a couple days ago, was it a couple days ago? I want to say within a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks like they used, uh, the, the, the RMC, I can't remember what the manufacturer name. I was like 47 track or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that coaster was so intense. It really needed some sort of hug. So I I'm glad that it's, um, I'm glad that it's actually getting some attention. I don't. I might have asked yeah. you this last time. I've talked to a couple of people that have have uh, that got to ride it, and they said it's better than it was. Um, still very intense. Um, it's something that uh, you know they'll they'll want to do, um, but not a lot. You know, so they they liked it, didn't necessarily love it. You know, fun. If they got friends, they'll go do it. Uh, but they said, it, you know, the both reported it is uh, a better ride than it was. Okay. Well, you know, baby steps. They can always, again, you talk about tweaking stuff and so on. Um, you know, that's, uh, they weren't going to nail it on the first try, but the fact that it's better and it's notably better, that's that's pretty good. Um, but y'all. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, there's still some turns where it's kind of, you know, a little intense, you know, and, and it always has been like that. So, um but, but it's good to see that it's back open and uh, that is the kind of, um, you know, signature attraction at uh, fun spot Kissimmee. Yeah. And, uh, ha- shout out to RMC that got that done in like a month. That's probably was, uh, and, and it's in their, their prime season too. Like this, this is their busiest season and, uh, and you know, they had to shut it down Well, they didn't have to, they made the decision to shut it down, uh, to get this fixed, but you know, we're back up. So that's pretty cool. All right. What's, what's next? What's next? So Walt Disney World, uh, there was an external research firm wanted to figure out what the most popular ride at Walt Disney World is. And uh, Don, did you read this article? I sent you a link. I, I did. And um, no surprise what was the most popular in a lot of ways. I mean, it really wasn't a surprise, but it's a ride that's currently closed with Splash Mountain. Uh, as being the most popular, but you know, you expect to see that up there. You expect to see um, Space Mountain, you know, up there. Um, I was a little surprised to not see 
you know, right with those two, Haunted Mansion, which is which is my favorite ride there. Um, I'm also a big Thunder Mountain fan, you know. So, um, but again, no surprise that it was Splash Mountain. You know, that's when you think of Walt Disney World, that's one of the first things that comes to mind as far as attractions go. Yeah, and uh, what a decision to change that. You know, you talk about poking the bear, but um, I'm sure that you know the uh, the attraction that's replacing it is going to be um, rather exceptional. You know that they know what they're getting into, but I wanted to read an excerpt from this article because this uh, uh, this goes into it. So, um, Twilight's in Tower of Terror and Space Mountain were at numbers two and three, which uh, only I it makes me wonder because Tower of Terror isn't that high of capacity, and neither is Space Mountain. So, this is certainly not the most ridden rides. Most ridden, just the most popular that it's, people wanted. To. It's the most popular. Um, small world is yeah, tower terror. I mean, it's great too. I mean, that's up there too that's, with me. That you know, is my favorite ride on earth of any park. Anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And for me, I don't know. just being a dark ride fan. You know, for me, it's, if everyone said you got one ride, you can do, I'm going to do haunted mansion. Yeah. Uh, that's what a great ride. Uh, so small world is number four rounding out the top 10, uh, in order are rise of the resistance, the star Wars ride expedition, Everest haunted mansion. There you go. Big Thunder Mountain, Star Tours, that's kind of old school, Yeah. Uh, and Jungle Cruise. One surprise fact, the study, which looked at the most popular rides by state, found that in Florida is the only state where Splash Mountain is not the favorite. Oh, so Splash Mountain is not the favorite at Walt Disney World. It's, this is just across all Disney parks. Across all Disney parks, yes. Wow, okay. And then Epi uh, so Epcot's Guardians of the Galaxy is the new favorite there, which that has a little bit of... Um, novelty to it <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned small world that is the uh yeah that that is the only ride that i ever got sick on would you get sick of the song or something yes <laughs> that was the, that's what made me sick but uh no really that's the only ride i've ever ever you know got off of that and just didn't feel good uh but no i ride it every time i go though it's it's a it's a classic all right uh, ryan ride. yeah 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 moving on the future of jaga lake in Aurora, Ohio, it is finally revealed. So they're going to repurpose that land. It's, it looks like they've got a, a pretty interesting plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you talk about uh, reminiscent of here. Uh, we, you know, we talked about LaSordsville Lake earlier, which is now a public park. What's going to happen with Geauga Lake? Well, I think they're looking to put... Uh, you know what? What they're it's going to be like. It's not going to be an amusement park again. We know that. We, at least right it will now, not. It yeah. Be. But it'll be more of like, uh, you know, the, the, maybe a, some like a swimming pool type thing. Um, you know, just kind of a almost what you see now with the with what uh, what became of Americana. You know, something like that. That's yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about. Um, it looks like uh, they've so the city plans to buy the land uh, because the land has been sitting vacant for you know. 15 years now. So it's probably yeah. almost a nuisance, which is exactly the issue that they had with Americana, but, or, or Lasortsville Lake for you old schoolers. Um, so the proposal from the city of Aurora, it's 4.5 million um, to industrial commercial properties for the, for the property to be redeveloped into a public park with a pool beach and much more. And this is all on the lakefront. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, the beach thing will be nice because it, like you said, you got the lakefront there, so that'll be a nice, you know, nice thing for for families in that area to to go. And um, you, know, you got the pool, and 
but then says much more. So who knows what that is? You know, I, I would imagine maybe some some restaurants or something could go on you know, in there. Yeah, that would be, that would be really cool. Um, but the article continues with a little bit more detail. It said under the purchase agreement, ICP will build a lake loop trail boardwalk around Yaga Lake, which the city will own and maintain company will also pay for a substantial portion of the demolition costs. So that there's still a few structures there. Um, well, so here's a cool thing. Uh, so some of the structures from the former SeaWorld Ohio, including the iconic aquarium, may be saved and rehabilitated to use in the city's plans. The aquarium, for example, may be redeveloped as a restaurant or a similar facility. That is cool. I like it. Yeah, I'm just glad that that land's you know going to be repurposed and used again. Um, you know, it, it's kind of depressing for amusement park fans. You know, when they drive through that area and they just see what used to be there and you know, nothing's there. It's you know kind of depressing. So it's kind of exciting to see uh, that it's amusing and not what it was before. You know, we're not bringing back Jaga Lake, um, but uh, you know it, it looks like it's got a it's got a future now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the land. Uh, you know, if if you can't have the park back, which you can't, um, at least there's a legacy there. I know the original plan was that either Meyer or Target wanted to buy it. Um, and they couldn't get city approval. I, uh, so I, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of that. Uh, and then they were talking about like, I think that the only thing that's been developed is there's like a, a car dealership that was on one of the parking lots where the, it was, but the rest of it is just, there's a few ruins, but mainly it's just nothing, you know? All right. So let's move right along. So what are we on? Number four. Hershey Park, our friends up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, they're hosting a new event for coaster enthusiasts called Coaster Fans Event. Coaster Fans Event. A lot of the other ones were taken up by that point. That's going to be July 8th. Uh, it's going to have ERT on Fahrenheit and the Jolly Rancher Remix in, in the morning. Night ERT on Wildcats Revenge and Lightning Racer. Um, and then it'll have a catered lunch Q&A with the Hershey Park Director of Engineering, Brad Kirkham. So Hershey Park is a park that is so at the top of my bucket list. I can't tell you. I have not been there yet. What are your thoughts on on Hershey Park and what they have going on right now? Love Hershey Park. One of my favorite roller coasters, and you never see hardly anyone ever puts us on their list, is the Hershey Park Comet, uh, an old classic, you know, uh, wooden roller coaster. But, you know, I, I like the park. Um, I, I think it's... Um, Surprised they never really got into having a park-sponsored coaster event there. They've, they've had you know, been part of the the like the annual Ace Summer Cons and those kind of things. They've been included in that in the past. But uh, you know, when you look at that part of Pennsylvania, I mean, there are it's it's like a hotbed for coaster enthusiasts. It's one of the strongest regions out there for the American coaster enthusiasts. So it seems like it's. Uh, you know, it's perfectly geared to have an enthusiast event and have it be very well attended. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's exciting to see them, um, you know, putting this event together and, and watching how it grows in the years ahead. Yeah. I mean, obviously they opened up Wildcats Revenge. So uh, what a year to do it. Um, feedback on that ride has been really good. What have you heard about that? Good feedback. You know, it's uh, a lot of, you know, I'm not super big on those top 10 lists and all those kind of things that uh you know that are out there but a lot of uh, a lot of coaster enthusiasts have put that in their top 10 uh and uh you know maybe it's gone from a park they visited once a year to to maybe another you know they're looking at going two or three times a year so uh it's definitely a ride that has made an impact with the enthusiast community 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, I, I haven't been there. I've got friends that are season pass holders that live around here, and they said there's so much to do. They've got their own kind of like city walk thing. They've got their um, whatever that dark ride is. That's like the history of Hershey's. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely want to make it out there. It's just a bit of a drive, but man, I, I, I do want to do it. Yeah, it's about what nine hours from us, so it uh, it's out there. But then you got to go to the uh, you know the Hershey the cho the chocolate factory. You got to do that tour while you're there too. So uh, you're gonna need more than one day. Is it chocolate Chocolate Town? Is that the name of the of the tour? I think they call it Chocolate Town. I could be wrong. Chocolate Town. I think I think it's something Chocolate Town or whatever. But I've yeah, when I was uh, working in pro hockey, Hershey was one of my favorite uh, road cities that we went to because we got to go uh, tour the chocolate factory. Well, I mean, you don't go to Hershey without touring the Chocolate Factory. Let's be honest here. Right. All right. What do we have up next? Up next, and this is my favorite of the picks. Oh, sixes. no. It's about Bucky's, isn't the it? Wait, the wait is almost over. June 26th. Mark your calendar. The Bucky's in Sevierville, Tennessee, right off of exit 407, is going to be opening. That date has been confirmed. I'm very excited. What about you, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, because I always stop at Bucky's on the way down to Pigeon Forge, but I never stop on the way up because by the time I hit like the Richmond market, I'm like eager to get home. But now I've got one to stop because I'm so far from home that I don't care. So I can get my... Well, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm headed down that way, I'm making a stop at both of them. One of them for breakfast, then go get my lunch at the other one. And then when I come back, it's going to be breakfast at the Sevierville one, and then I'll get my lunch at the other one so uh super exciting you know for me and bucky fans around the country uh to have this one finally open it's been highly anticipated since plans were announced to build it uh you know I, i've followed the construction closely it was originally going to open on june 5th had that happened i would have gone there but it didn't happen not able to go for the grand opening on the 26th this month uh, but I'm going to get there in August. So I think August 17th is what I have on my calendar. Um, but uh, I'm you know, super excited about it that it finally has an opening date. And Ryan, I don't know if you know of anyone that's a bigger Bucky's fan than I am. Uh, the only people I would know is people making money off this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, so it's you, you've told us that your, your, your favorite food there is the melts. But uh, have you ever tried the burritos? Yeah. Yes. Especially the breakfast ones. Have you ever tried like, um, there's like a ground beef one. Mm -hmm. I think that one's my favorite. And then there was uh, one that was like Philly cheesesteak that I had last time. I was really good. Um, had that too. Yeah. But we, I've had that. The briskets, I mean, the brisket's still really good too. Uh, but I don't know. There was just something about the melt sandwich. that had that little kick to it that, uh, you know, it, it just, just became my favorite and that's uh, my go-to every time i go i have to get at least get the melt and then i'll get other things around it but the melt's certainly going to be one item i'm picking up yeah the thing i always think is funny about the melt is that you see it and you think it's going to be like super savory and you forget that it, whatever like mustards on it or whatever is all that stuff gets all over your shirt and everything well, no else. it's, 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 it's like super like spicy i mean it's this isn't yeah, a spicy yeah. sandwich but you mentioned it has a kick to it and you bite into it, it yeah. and then but it's a mess though you take a bite and it starts like it kind of like drips down i mean it's great yeah yeah, they should probably have those bibs like they have at the like the rib places and stuff. That would yeah, that yeah. would make sense. All right, last story of the night. So, uh, kind of a sad one, but um, I actually came across this just in time for it to make it on the show. But Holiday World today announced on their social media that they're retiring their Raging Rapids ride 
Um, says uh, Holiday World is closing. It's Raging Rapids right after three decades. Um, well, okay, this is their exact quote that they put up. After 33 years and millions of happy memories, Raging Rapids is officially retired. We know that this attraction means a lot to our guests, and it does to us too. While this may feel like an ending, it's just the beginning. We intend to return the sound of laughter to Boulder Canyon as soon as we possibly can. So we can't really speculate, but this is sudden, you know? Uh, so I'm, decisions like this are very difficult to make. I'm I'm sure, especially like it, we're just at the hot point of the year and then they shut down right. this ride that, um, you, like for me, I don't typically do water rides. Like, you know, I don't want to get my shoes all wet, my clothes all wet and stuff, but especially the people that aren't roller coaster people are typically water ride people and they're very committed to that stuff. So that's kind of a bummer. So have you been on that? When was the last time you were at Holiday World first? I time? have. Last time I was at Holiday World, mm-hmm. it's been about four years, very right before the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Um, so it's a bummer. It's sad. Um, but I'm sure that they'll do something really cool. And they've got Thunderbird and you don't. So <laughs> you don't have Thunderbird in your backyard is what I'm saying. No, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. I said, what is that? 33 years old for this ride. It's, um, you know, you're, you know, almost like a whitewater Canyon kind of raft ride uh, to it, but that's a long time, you know, for an attraction. Once you get into that, you know, your three decades plus, uh, and every ride has, and we've talked about this a lot, Ryan is every ride has an expiration date on it. And, uh, you know, it gets to a point that, um, you know, you just have to, to move on. Yeah. And it, and it's funny because, you know, as you were saying that, well, and, and like, I've thought about this a lot over the past couple hours, because, you know, when you're retiring your, uh, you know, like Schwarzkopf arrow, something like that, that's 30 or 40 years old, you know, most of the time, and this isn't speaking on behalf of anybody, but they probably do their stress tests. They understand that it's got this, it's got five years left of being safe. So you've got one year left in the park, you know? Um, but, and I was thinking like, well, that's not true with this kind of ride because it's water and it's pumps and stuff and pumps can be rebuilt. But, um, again, not to speculate, and I don't know anything outside of the words that are put here, but I know that uh, having worked in water parks and stuff before that, as soon as like a pool starts leaking, that's it, you know, because you're going to be chasing those holes in the dam for the rest of the existence of that thing. Um, so if I had yeah. to guess it was something like that, but again, um, holiday world, I'm sure will come up with something fantastic to replace it. And you should probably just be riding Thunderbird anyway, because that's the best wing coaster on earth. All right. Oh, so Don, we made it through an episode where we didn't have a full subject matter and it was just us rambling. So if you listen this far, please tweet at us or if you want to, you can private message us with your feedback because we try new things. And if you thought this was like terribly boring or super interesting or whatever, let us know so we can f- help format this stuff in the future. We would never do this exclusively, just like we would probably never do guests exclusively or just one-on-one with us exclusively too. We're going to make variety out of it, but we we would love your feedback with this stuff. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom, Don? You know, I, I just think we need to touch on something, you know, serious for a second here, Ryan, and that is uh, packs of stray dogs that control most of the major cities. Yeah, that is touching. You know, nothing that I, nothing in the world can tear a family apart 
faster than a pack of stray dogs. I mean, it's a serious problem. <laughs> In which major cities? <laughs> Every major city. Every single one. Okay. No, no, this was a lot of fun, though, Ryan. You know, just kind of, like I said, uh, just for us trying something new, talking about, um, you know, just our own experiences visiting, you know, different parks and some of the events and things that are going out there. Not something we want to do every week, like you mentioned, uh, but uh, also something that I, I think it has its place at times. It's more of a traditional podcast having these kind of conversations like we did today, but we're not traditional. Yeah, we're very untraditional and unconventional. Unconventional, that's the right word for it. All right. Well, okay. So for those of you watching the YouTube video, thank you so much. If you want to listen to the audio version, make sure you check us out on your favorite podcast apps. Uh, if you want to watch us on YouTube, we do a video version. It's not just like an image sitting there. Uh, search for the Attractions Group podcast. Follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, send us a private message and we will give you the package details. Don, thanks again for being my co-host today been fun. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody.